Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Monell. On this week's episode, we have a pair of French electronic music pioneers who recently teamed up with a DJ who's been responsible for some of the most exciting production of the past 20 plus years, Brax and Falcon with A-Track. Alan Brax and his cousin Stéphane Kem, aka DJ Falcon, are legends of French house music going back decades. Brax was one third of the trio Stardust alongside Daft Punk's Thomas Bangalter. They famously released just one song in 1998 before splitting up, but Music Sounds Better With You is a classic of the genre. Falcon's biggest claim to fame might also be Daft Punk adjacent. He co-wrote and co-produced their song Contact from 2013's Random Access Memories. And though they've obviously been acquainted forever, Brax and Falcon only recently came together for a project, and it's pretty amazing. Their debut EP, Step by Step, includes a killer title track with an appearance by Panda Bear. Brax and Falcon will make their live debut in November with two U.S. shows, one in New York and another in L.A. Check out a little bit of Step by Step right here. I'm gonna take it step. Now that EP also features a remix by Braxton Falcon's old friend DJ A-Track, a superstar of the electronic world whose resume makes me feel very lazy. As a young guy, he was a championship-level turntablist in his native Canada, which led to a years-long role on stage with Kanye West. His career continued as a headlining DJ and producer in his own right. He's known both for creating his own sounds and remixing big names. He also runs the vaunted Fool's Gold label and collaborates with lots of other folks, including Armand Van Helden in Duck Sauce. A-Track's latest project is a collaborative album with elusive hip-hop icon Cameron called You Wasn't There, which comes out September 23rd. Check out a bit of All I Really Wanted from that upcoming record. In high school, I was on the court getting buckets, bitch. And I started getting duckets. Can't lie, I'm in love with this. The art of getting money, man. My motto was like, fuck a bitch. By the time I turned 30, I completed my own bucket list. I don't take threats lightly. Careful who you fucking with. Now I'm to make the way more famous than your publicist. Love, I get to stop it. My life, they want to publish it. They ain't got enough money, so I keep dubbing it. In this chat, Brax, Falcon, and A-Track talk about the sonic intersections of house music and old school hip hop. They discuss the ups and downs of the forced COVID break, and there's a lot of gear talk, which is a whole different thing when you're talking about samplers and keyboards instead of guitars and pedals. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Hello. All good? Mm-hmm. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Fine. Fine. We're good. Where is everybody? South of France. I'm in Biarritz. You know Biarritz? Because yeah. you've been here. When was that? We're talking 15 years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been here only once or? No, at least twice. I remember when we, we tried to go everybody in the water with the yeah. the surfboard and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I'm, in, I'm in Biarritz right now, which is southwest of France. I'm like 30 minutes away from the, the Spanish border, San Sebastian. Yep, yep. I'm in Toulouse, uh, which is uh, in between uh, the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. So I'm like three hours drive from Stefan. 
I like this lesson in the south of France geography. <laughs> oh, you've been to Italy in uh, holidays. Yeah, I was in Italy uh, in early July for holidays, and then the rest of July I went to Europe a few uh, a few more times for gigs. So I was kind of like going back and forth to Europe in July, and then um, I went to Asia last week for just a few days. I ended up going to Bali and Jakarta. I was supposed to go to Tokyo, and then that got rescheduled. Okay, okay. Yeah. Are they start open Japan again? Starting, but that's part part of what's been complicated. But yeah, they're starting to open. It just takes longer to get the visas. So you you in New York right now? Where are you? I'm like I'm half New York, half LA. So right now I'm in LA. Okay, cool. So basically, you went to Europe right after the the release party somehow, a little bit. Yeah, I was right after the release party. I went to Italy for on holiday. And then I went back to America for a few days and then I did some touring in Europe for like the rest of July. And like everything is a little hectic right now with touring, especially in Europe, like crazy flight cancellations all the time and all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. We've been through this in July, like a lot of, uh, a lot of good. So you're spending a lot of time in, in Europe, right? This summer, finally, yeah, because, you know, before the pandemic, I, I I would go to Europe every summer. And then now it was the first time in like three years that I was able to go this summer. So it feels good to, to go back. And you guys are back to playing shows for the first time in a long time, right? Kind of, yeah. How does it feel to, to perform again? Oh, it feels good. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of gigs in July. Yeah. Like a lot. Like yeah, but it easy, was yeah. <laughs> easy because it was in France mainly. So uh, okay. not too much travel. But I mean, it's fun. It's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. But coming from like big two years with nothing, nothing yeah. almost nothing to every two, three days. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it felt good to be honest. There's part of us like, It's some kind of a release, like it's just good, like to celebrate with people. But we we had to stop a little bit in August because it was yeah. it was a bit uh, excessive, a bit too much, I think. So we had some relaxed time in in August, and now we, we're going back on the, on the road. Nice. When you're back from a from a tour like that, do you find it easy to switch on the machines and go back on music, or do you need some time to focus, or? I definitely need a little bit of time to recover from the trips physically, mentally, like <laughs> across the board, coming back from a trip, especially something that's international, that's even more tiring. Definitely takes a few days to to be able to get back to working on music. And what's a little bit challenging for me is that I'm also, you know, kind of taking care of business. I have my record label and, you know, there's like certain things that I, that I take care of every day. So I'm rarely able to completely take some some days off when I come back from a trip so sometimes what I'll do is almost focus only on the sort of project management and email and, and catching up with phone calls for the first few days that I get back from a trip because I know that I'm not really going to be able to work on music right away yeah that kind of work is a little bit more robotic so I just try to like get that stuff out of the way and after like two days of that then I'm I'm maybe in a better mindset to try to work on music you feel better when the paperwork is done yeah I mean until <laughs> it's in your mind and you, you you know you have to do it it's a bit like a, uh, it's not good for making music and when when you make music do you is it like a, a standard day or you switch on at, uh, you go to the studio at 9 a.m and you work during the day not that early I'm kind of like an afternoon worker mm -hmm. and 
in LA, my studio is at my house, which is where I am, this room here. In New York, I have a sort of outside studio that I go to. Mm. But um, yeah, in any case, usually I have, you know, a couple things that I catch up with in the morning and I get to work on music in the afternoon. I don't do the same thing every day. Some days it could be more DJ work. Sometimes it's, some days it's just sort of catching up with new music and organizing stuff for sets. There's days where, you know, there's something that's already in the works musically that I'm just kind of, you know, continuing or catching up on. Mm -hmm. And then there's days that are just, you know, exploration, trying to come up with ideas. I, uh, I work kind of slow in the studio. I'm not the type that can make a whole song in, in a day or two. A lot of times I'm just, you know, messing with something that I've, that I've started and coming back to it many times. You sometimes spend uh, one day on a snare drum or uh, yes. iPad? Yes. yes. How do you feel about that? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel, you feel good? I feel, I feel a little bit crazy. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, do you sometimes realize that we are listening to hours and hours and hours? I mean thousands of hours of uh, loops in fact during our lifetime it's yeah. um, <laughs> it's 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 amazing i mean it's crazy it's um, sometimes i realize that uh, the amount of music we've been listening uh, constantly yeah and sometimes it's just the same loop when you're working on a track you're working on a section and you can listen to it for like uh, six hours all three of us make music that is very loop based like there might be another kind of you know, composer or producer who's, uh, you know, that might be working on compositions that really change a lot during the length of a song. And they might obsess over one section of the song, but then they'll go do, you know, other movements in the song. I think all of us are really just look for these magical loops that end up becoming the song and right. And just, you know, obsessing with the groove and, and uh, you know, the little things that make it a loop catchy. Since day one, the day we start, you know, doing electronic music, we still really got this obsession of the, the ultimate loop, you know, those loops that, and I don't know, it's just something that just a few musicians kind of share, but I guess it's something that we, that we share, all the, the three of us. Yeah. Uh, I know with Alan, sometimes when we make him music and this, this type of loop, we know that we can catch those stuff together because people sometimes don't get it it's just a matter you in the studio you're making music you mm -hmm. tweaking knobs and, and whatever fader and sometimes stuff happen how do you know that it's it's the, the right loop and it's just a matter of taste sometimes i really trust alan taste and so I, I think it's cool to to be two in the studio yeah sometimes it's hard to catch those moments Or you go crazy in the studio, listening the next day, and it's you're so disappointed. Or but uh, yeah, we're searching those magic, magic loop. Those that's something we have in common. I think the Falcon. I think you you're known for being the loop guy. You've always had an ear for loops. When I did the live with Thomas Van Gelder, it was all based on loop with sampler drum machine. And Thomas was playing a keyboard on top. By the way, which drum machines and samplers were you using live in those years? So we were using the Roland, Roland S760. Uh, okay. That's the one Thomas uh, used from the beginning. I don't even know it. So it's just the, 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 the converter are, are really, really, really good. And the filter oh, okay. is just basic, but it's just good. Okay. But it's, it's really tricky to use this one. 
But uh, but then when we start doing this, it's when Ableton start to to show off. So I got ah. to 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 play with Loop since day one with Ableton, and and I couldn't go back to the vinyl and DJ mm-hmm. in a classic way. You were using the very early version of Ableton, right? Oh yeah, first one. I got oh wow. Uh, I got contact with Ableton. I mean, it was Etienne de Crecy and Alex Goffer. I used to live on top of their studio. Okay. So Etienne and Alex Goffer got contact by Ableton. They call me and say, "Okay, look, they're gonna show us this uh, software." And since day one, that was what I was doing with the sampler. And mm. because I was touring at the time in Australia and I was bringing the vinyl, I was into surfing. So I was bringing my surfboard, my <laughs> photography. <laughs> and then yeah. I saw this Ableton and say, whoa, that's what I'm doing. But at the time, remember when you show up on the gig with a laptop at the beginning? Oh yeah, people thought it was crazy. People, oh yeah, they, did, they really hate this. Yeah. 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 So this is why, thank you for saying that, but I think I got really... Uh, more than your regular DJ into the loop because of the Ableton, using Ableton since day one. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the TalkHouse podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of TalkHouse is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. During a COVID lockdown with uh, with Duck Sauce, with Armand Van Helden, we started doing like a 
YouTube uh, interview series, uh, mm-hmm. a bit of a podcast, kind of like we're doing here on on Zoom. Yeah, I saw with the David with David Guetta talking about the colony. Okay, okay, so yeah, the one with David Guetta. Yeah, he was saying, yeah. that, and, but he was also saying that you were always known for having the best loops. Like that, that was your like reputation. I was obsessed, and this obsession is still here. Like really fresh. It's like it's like searching for gold. Sometimes you know, yeah. like like there's this unexpected thing, and I think this is what keep us all excited. Just manipulate sample and and equipment in general. Maybe people don't know when you're talking about API accident in the studio, but with Alan somehow we kind of obsessed, and we got with. Somehow uh, get the equipment will bring you sometimes those happy accidents. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like modular ascent. Yeah. For example. For people who, who might not know, there's definitely, there's something about physical equipment that will create um, these accidents or these, these things that are not planned uh, more so than something on the computer, I think. And I work almost entirely in the computer, but I'm, I'm aware that it's, uh, it's a little bit harder to get something that happens that is completely unplanned. Mm. I think because on the computer, you're, you know, telling the software what to do. You're there, There's a lot of intention with everything that you're doing on those programs. Whereas if you're just using some old machine and messing around with knobs, you're probably going to end up with, some, with something that you didn't even know you were doing, but your ear catches it. Cool. What's that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. When we did this uh, remix swap. Yeah. A couple of months ago, I mean, starting starting point of the discussion was to do everything with the SP twelve hundred. Yes. For the people who are listening to us, the SP twelve hundred is a like a very old sampler. It's mm. pretty uh, iconic, iconic sampler, mm-hmm. uh, but very super limited. And we were super motivated to do the remix uh, with this concept in mind, working with yeah. SP twelve, and. <laughs> yes. I, I really uh, admire uh, what you did because you did a post and where you said, okay, that was a starting point and it ended up with uh, the computer, which was uh, the case for us as well. We did everything with the computer. I mean, almost everything. Yeah. It's really hard afterward, once you get used of the computer, it's hard to combine both worlds, I think. To I mean, it's, it's really pleasant to work with the SP1200 or the MPC. MPC3K, but as soon as you try to sync it with a computer or to integrate it with a computer, it starts to be really painful. They're so slow. Well, for me, it was interesting to start using the SP1200 sampler and drum machine. That's also something that happened for me during lockdown, you know, in the last two years. When I was growing up and getting into music, I was mostly listening to hip hop. And the SP-1200 is very well known in hip hop, you know, for for people who are listening. Like you said, this is a, a sampler that was made in the late 80s. And it was one of the first samplers that allowed you to uh, cut up sounds, drum sounds and pieces of samples that were from records. But there was, like you mentioned, a lot of challenges with the fact that it has very short memory, but it also has a very recognizable sound. And that sound, this very gritty sound, became kind of a signature sound for a lot of early 90s hip hop records. So I knew it as the the sampler and drum machine that a lot of my favorite hip hop producers were using in the early 90s. People like Pete Rock, um, you know, and Lord Finesse, but also um, producers from... uh, 
from the South, like Manny Fresh, or producers from the West Coast, like the Alcoholics, or uh, or even Cypress Hill. You know, some of the greatest hip hop artists use this this sampler that had a really recognizable sound. And then at some point in my like musical education, I realized that there were also house producers who used it. And I and I realized that a lot of the classic music that you guys made were on this sampler that I, in my head, up until that point, only associated with hip hop. And uh, Alain, there was a video that you made for Future Music, I think, mm-hmm. uh, right? Which is a British uh, production magazine where you showed how you used the SP1200 for, uh, for your track uh, running. And there's a lot of producers who shared this video, especially once... Like someone put it on YouTube at one point. And once it was on YouTube, everybody was sharing it, being like, whoa, look at how he used, you know, this old drum machine that has like only a few seconds of sample time. And I realized that I went back and listened to, you know, a lot of these great um, French Touch records and, you know, a lot of the stuff mm. on Fidamour and Roulet and mm. recognized this sound that I knew from hip hop, this very, this very gritty sound. And it for me, when I realized that that drum machine was being used by some of my favorite French house producers. It's almost like two parts of my mind collided, you know, because yep. mm-hmm. um, but it also helped me understand why some of the house records that I loved felt so familiar to me. And, and, you know, just realizing that specifically it's the same equipment of my favorite hip hop productions that was being used on these house productions, even to what we we're just saying about, you know, all of us having an ear for loops, I think, you know, there's an approach to to house music that I think is still very hip hop based. It is when you're just using loops. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same thing but different tempos. Yeah, exactly, and especially French house. Yeah, French house is kind of just fa- fast hip hop. But it's funny uh, how these these machines. Um, in fact, it's a bit like having a co-producer uh, with yeah. you in the studio because yeah. the sonic the sonic uh, characteristics also uh, trusty that it. You have a, uh, a co-producer who is doing fifty percent of the job for you, yeah. But with full limitation as well, and the, the sound is so uh, gritty that there is not much you can do with it after if you EQ too much or if you. Um, so, but I'm very nostalgic. I'm super nostalgic of this. I bought this machine like uh, twenty five years ago, and I'm yeah. really nostalgic of the time I switched it on for the first time, and I was learning and. It's funny because when you know it, it's, it's you're you're pressing the knobs super fast. You look like a cashier in a shop, like a, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but it's very organic. It's it's um, super pleasant. Just for people to to understand what we're talking about is that there's a few of those machines which just just sound good, straight, straight. No, no matter what you put in it, it sounds good. Yeah. And also, if you do like if you take a drum machine like a 808, uh, 909 from Roland, you just do the simple pum chak. It will groove <laughs> somehow. Yeah. And you do the same with the software. And no, it's nothing happening. It's true that there's something about some of the classic pieces of equipment that... It's working straight. Yeah, that have kind of a magic groove in the sequencer also that is actually surprisingly hard to replicate. On the computer, maybe the, the one of the best example is the Lindrum. Yeah, for sure. When you think of the Lindrum, it's it, it's it's tw- it's twelve songs, I think. It it was released in the eighties. It's still in use today. It's on 
thousands of records. It still sounds current. We'll never get old. It's quite amazing. And this, ma this machine is just uh, 12 drum sounds. Yeah. And um, so simple. Prince used a lot of lean drum. The first one, LM1. And for those who want to, to search on, on this, but... Um, Did you know that they did a new SP1200? Yeah. So I'm using this uh, modular uh, sampler they're doing. It's called Assimilator. They did a 35 years anniversary. And now they're doing a new model with double the sampling time. Yeah. And an SD card. Yeah. It's yeah, cool yeah. that they're doing that. It's been interesting reading about uh, the process of trying to recreate these old machines because it makes you realize that You know, we talk about this like magic sound of some of these old machines and it comes, sometimes it comes literally from the, the chips, like the microchips that they were using. And some mm -hmm. of them were chips that had kind of little defects or, or that, you know, that were still new technology. And, you know, later on, better chips were made, but something about those early chips affected the sound, gave, gave the sound a color. And, and yeah. to recreate these old machines, they have to find... <laughs> you know, chips from another era. Like like the 303, when it was released, it was a joke for everybody. Roland didn't sell those those machines and oh, start yeah? the new new sound, acid and, and everything. Right, right, right. But um but it's it's funny like to think also compared to a regular musician, like like okay, you buy a new guitar, okay, you mm -hmm. take maybe one hour to get used. But yeah. us when we buy new equipment. It's really time consuming. It takes sometimes weeks and, yeah. you know, it's, it's sometimes a different logic. Like there was those instruments. Like it, did, it didn't work in my head like Octatrack. I'm sure it's a really good machine, but it just, it didn't fit in my head. It's not the same logic, but right. it's crazy to think that we, we're spending a lot of time trying to get comfortable with those equipment instead of musician that that's straight they don't they don't waste time they do just do the music because we don't well, but let's be honest we don't really know what we're doing also like we we don't really know how to yeah. pick up a traditional instrument and compose a song so the music that we make yeah. is kind of the result of just figuring out some sort of workflow with some equipment where we're able to find, like we were saying earlier, these little moments of magic. But I, I, I like when you said that the machine is kind of our collaborator and we have to get to know our collaborator so that we can work yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny to think that, you know, some of us start 25 years ago. I mean, if yeah. we were learning equipment 25 years, we should be, but I, there's, I think there's a part <laughs> of us We don't want this. Yeah, we don't want to learn. We don't, we don't want, want to know to, how to do too much. I'm obsessed with those, with this excitement, uh, unexpected moment that you get yeah. with those electronic machines. That's what still get me excited. Even as a fan of both of you guys and your music, it's really exciting to witness both of you making music again and making music together. And you're your cousins, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first heard the new EP, it also made me think in the general sense of how you know some of us will just like you said keep an obsession uh, or a fascination almost like a like a an almost childlike fascination or wonder for for a certain type of sound for such long periods of our life i mean maybe that's something that we can talk about too just like staying fixated on something you know for decades whether it be 
a type of groove or, or, you know, influences, things that make me think that make us think of our, our childhood or whatever else, like certain sounds, certain types of synths that we remember from our childhood. And we stay fixated with that for, for such a long period. Did you know that, that one of the, the creative source, we used to have this sample since uh, 25 years. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, the song that I remixed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this sample. Uh, I found it on my old zip from my first sampler. Okay. It was an MUE 6400, I think. Yeah. But yeah, we, we were like somehow fascinating that, okay, there's this sample that I catch like 25 years ago. And, and we're like, okay, it could make a, a cool track. That's funny. And that that's there's other parts of that song that were sampled for some for some rap records also for some hip hop stuff. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I saw it. The Creative Source song. Yeah, there's a an old Kanye West and and uh, Kanye West and the Game song that used like one part, and then there's like a this New York rapper Jada Kiss. He had a song that used another part. So it's a, it's uh, it's a song that has like all these little moments, and then yeah. you know someone takes two seconds here and make a whole song out of it. Then someone else takes three seconds there and makes a whole song out of it. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah, but it's so good sometimes when you're listening to the original. Like I, I remember when Flower, the Armand Van Enden track, Flower, yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so in love with this track. When you're listening yeah. to the original and I don't know, he's like, yeah, good catch. Would you consider that uh, the, the lockdown, the pandemic uh, situation was good for you or bad or because both both <laughs> yeah yeah good and bad yeah yeah for sure i mean of course on the negative side you know it was kind of crazy to to lose work for for a lot of time and i think for some of my friends it was even tougher i think you know i'm 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 lucky to be you know at a place in my career where i could take some time off and it's okay i was i was nervous because it wasn't planned But, you know, I definitely have, I'm friends with a lot of DJs who, you know, just kind of play, you know, the local party in their city every Mm -hmm. week, you know, and and for for a lot of those friends, it was even scarier to lose work suddenly. It's hard to call it good because, you know, so many people got sick, people lost their parents and their relatives and, Mm. you know, Mm. um, so it was was obviously um, terrible and, and, and really frightening. Um, but somewhere in that, there was uh, sort of a forced change and a forced stop where there's some positives that came out of that. We just started to play again like one month ago and the crowd in clubs is, is slightly different than before. Yeah. Did you notice this? There's definitely like a, a level of energy where people, you can tell that people are excited and happy to go out. I also think there's a generational difference. There's younger people who are going to shows now who were, were too young to go out before the pandemic, you know? But, you know, for, for me with the time at home, um, fortunately, there's some experimentation that came from, you know, just being home where I was able to start using different pieces of equipment and, and even just sort of take time to think about music projects with a little bit more freedom and imagination because I didn't have to go to the airport in two days, you know? Mm-hmm. So to be able to take many weeks at a time to just imagine. That that was um, that was a welcome change. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and we can mm-hmm. plug plug a few projects. Oh, 
plugging projects. We could maybe maybe plug a, a dinner together. You know, uh, we have two shows in um, in the US, right? We are coming to uh, yeah in New York in uh, in uh, in LA uh, in November. Yeah. So let's uh, let's take a coffee somewhere. You're gonna be around, uh, Alain? You're gonna be yeah, around. Yeah, I, I. You know what? I have to check the dates, but I'll I'll make sure that I'm either in LA or in New York. Okay. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah, I really like the club where you're playing in in New York. Elsewhere, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for sure, we'll grab we'll grab dinner. And and so maybe it's it's one more opportunity to thank you to. For the support when you came to the to the release party, we really really appreciate. We have this crazy picture on me, especially I'm so drunk. Like last night, <laughs> I ate this picture, but it went uh, everywhere. That's the way it is. But uh, but thank you so much for 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 keep supporting. I have some special memory with you when uh, when we we've been all here for DJ Mini, yes, and you came sure. with your brother straight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just something. It's something I really appreciate with you and your brother. That your elegance, yeah. your natural elegance to to yeah, be with you. us, to support, to be here. Just something simple, but it's not common to to mm. a lot of uh, artists. So mm. so I it's it's a good opportunity for me to thank you and your and your brother for always. Uh, stuck uh, behind uh, behind us. Well, thanks. But you know, even just to to give my my perspective on you know that friendship and and what some of that stuff meant to me when I you know like I mentioned earlier, I started off as a hip hop DJ mostly, and when I got into electronic music around the mid two thousands, it was still in North America there were, or let's say there were newer sounds that were happening in electronic music around around this time and it was barely getting to north america at that time but in europe there was really interesting things going on with the sound and um you know i became close friends with with medi and with you know pedro and the edbanger crew also and i realized that we had a similar path of growing up with hip hop and and then getting into electronic music kind of with mm. that ear which by the way is also why Armand Van Helden and I are close friends also. It's it's a similar thing of like shaping yeah. your ear with hip hop and then approaching house with that, with you know, with that foundation. And when I met Mehdi, I realized that we had a lot of taste in common. And um he was an incredible DJ. And we started DJing together and we did a lot mm. of shows together, him and I. And he helped bring me into the house world and the the electronic world mm. and and um you know and then when i started fool's gold in in north america i was i would also try to you know bring him to to my world especially in new york mm. and we, so we did a lot of exchange like that but it was a very very close friendship you know based on you know shared taste shared interest even beyond music you know all the way down to you know seinfeld yeah, I and, think, and, I think, and I clothes think, and and you know i think culture I think, uh, I think DJ Medi got this from Philips Dar and Hubert, yeah. you know, from yeah, Cassius, yeah, yeah. which we were also really close to them. Yeah. So at the end, we all 
uh, have this thing in common that just we're curious. You're super curious. For sure. It's like a record digging mentality, always digging for samples and trying to discover. And, oh. you know, I was always very grateful that through my friendship with Mehdi, the sort of rest of like the French crew really welcomed me. And, you know, when you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that, that I've been to Biarritz, I, when I went to Biarritz, it was with, with Mehdi and his family yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on summer holidays. Yeah. And, but, and it was, you know, really spending summers with my DJ friends where we, we, you know, where it becomes more than just work colleagues or whatever, where, when it really becomes like shared families. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, all, all that stuff still touches me a lot. And I'm still having fun going back and forth between hip hop and house. I have a, I have a, an album uh, with kind of a classic New York rapper, Cameron, that's coming mm. out in September. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of like, For me, it's almost like a love letter to New York hip hop, you know, where I got to mm. make a record with one of my favorite rappers. And, but I'm approaching it still, you know, like a music fan where I, mm -hmm. I, you know, where I try to imagine what the album that I would want to hear as a fan. Because I think for us as DJs who also make music, we always put ourselves in the position of the person that goes to the record shop and hears the record mm. for the first time and the expectations of the fan. And I think it's cool to make music while still imagining that you're just a fan. It's like we did with the step-by-step -step EP. We try yeah. also to explore different tempos, different tempos, different. But somehow we we were uh, super stoked that, like you said, the fan they they could feel it's it's us somehow. Yeah, it looked like sure. us. So we were. Well, really, you guys have such a sound. You have such a sound always. Thank you. That we were stoked about this because we knew somehow going from club scene to 73 BPM. Uh, mm -hmm. But we stoked that that people. Um, so so cool cool so great hope say, hope we catch up on 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 new york or, or next show in in la and please uh, are, are you going to be in europe soon or i'm done with the europe trips for a little while but uh, okay. i'll catch you guys in uh in in the state right. okay fantastic cool yeah so big kiss to your brother yes he says hi too merci à toi and thanks for taking the time always a pleasure of course merci et à bientôt merci Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast and thanks to Brax, Falcon, and A-Track for chatting. If you like what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting platform and check out TalkHouse.com for all kinds of great written features. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.